series with the high holidays approaching, and it's a three-week series that the rabbis entitled Reboot. Control-Alt-Delete. Control-Alternate and Delete. So as we entered the month of Elul, it's the month before Rosh Hashanah, it's traditionally a month of reflection in anticipation of the high holy days. Miles, I didn't cue you. We're starting our message. <laughs> Let's pray. God, I just pray that you would bless this message today. I pray that your word would go forth. I pray, Lord, that you would use me to speak your word and that we would have ears to hear, a heart to uh, obey, the will to obey, and a heart to receive. I just bless this word in Yeshua's name. So our series is Reboot. So we felt as a staff, the rabbis, that it was a good time to think about rebooting ourselves spiritually as we prepare for the high holidays. If you know anything about computers, you know that sometimes they're a little unresponsive and they don't work very well. If you were here this morning, I said this in the first service, Ray Lynn and Roberta were here this morning and I was on the phone with Rabbi Carroll for about 20 minutes trying to get the message to print. And one of the things that we had to do to try and troubleshoot was to reboot the computer. I'm sure Lord Jean and Moises can tell you the same thing as IT people. Sometimes the very first step in trying to fix a problem is to reboot and restart. I know when I work up at the hospital and I call the help desk, it doesn't matter what problem I'm having. It doesn't matter. The first thing that they always say is, did you restart your computer? And I'm always like, that has nothing to do with it. Restart your computer. And I restart the computer, I'm like, oh, it's better now. Somehow a reboot and a restart takes that which is unresponsive and not working and gives it a fresh new start. And that is the goal for us in this series, is to have a spiritual reboot. So we hope over the next three weeks in this series that you kind of reset yourself spiritually as we prepare for the High Holy Days. We know that sometimes when we approach the High Holy Days, we get a little stressed. It's a, a lot about self-reflection and repentance and it could be a little overwhelming, but that's not the goal of the High Holidays or of this series. It's really just to encourage you to go to the next level in God. And the message is to say, continue what you're doing if it's working, go to the next level, and for some of us to renew our commitment with Adonai. So today, the first part of our series is entitled, Control Yourself. The scriptures speak a lot about self-control. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, listed in Galatians. And it's something that we have to cultivate, but unfortunately, it doesn't come very naturally to most of us. It's not easy. Rav Shaul discusses this dilemma in Romans chapter 7. You guys are familiar with this. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. And what a wretched man am I. But I'm going to read this, and this is from the Passion Translation. It's chapter 7, picking up in verse 15. It says, I'm a mystery to myself, for I want to do what is right, but I end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. And if my behavior is not in line with my desire, my conscience still confirms the excellence of the Torah. And now I realize that it is no longer my true self doing it but the unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. 
For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. The longings to do what is right are within me, but willpower is not enough to accomplish it. My lofty desires do to do what is good are dashed when I do the things that I want to avoid. So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it is not my true identity doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. Through, through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly, deep within my true identity, I love to do what God pleases. But I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. What an agonizing situation I am in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? I give all my thanks to God, for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Yeshua, the Anointed One. Now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. What a powerful portrayal of that tension and that struggle that we experience as you try to walk in the fruit of self-control. So the good news, it may seem impossible for you to walk in self-control, but it is very possible for all of us to exercise self-control and discipline through the help of Yeshua the Messiah. You see, sometimes we think that self-control and discipline are for the elite people or the stronger people, or the naturally disciplined people, or the rabbis. Rabbis are self-controlled. They're very disciplined. But every person listening to this message, with the help of the Ruach, can exercise self-control. You can live discipline over your spiritual life, your mental life, your emotional, and your physical life. And Rav Shaul talks about this and the importance of discipline in our spiritual life, and he uses the analogy of sports. And this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. It says, Isn't it obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win, but only one receives the victor's prize? Yet each one of you must run the race to be victorious. A true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that quickly withers. But we run our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. For that reason, I don't run just for exercise or box like someone aimlessly throwing punches. No, I train like a champion athlete. I subdue, I discipline my body, and I get it under my control so that after preaching the good news to others, I myself won't be disqualified. And again, the analogy of sports of saying, you can't win if you're just gonna be haphazardly. You have to take control over your body. And for us in this race of life, we have to walk a life of self-control if we're gonna live victoriously. 
we're going to make it to that finish line, we have to be disciplined in every aspect of our life. Self-control is not denying your emotions or your struggles. So it's not just being one of that person that says all the time, Baruch Hashem, praise the Lord, everything's fine. Just pretend like nothing's going on. It's not ignoring it. It's not denying it. It's not shoving it down. It's taking all of those emotions, all of your thoughts, all of your actions, and lining them up to the Spirit of God and the person of Messiah in your life. One commentator explains it like this. It is the power to keep himself in check. He shares it literally means holding oneself in or the ability to get a grip of oneself. Reminds you of that modern slang, right? Get a grip. So what's the key to doing this? It's found in Galatians chapter 5. It says, what I am saying is this. Run your lives by the Ruach. Walk in step with the Spirit. Then you will not do what your old nature wants to do. This is how one writer explains it. The inward strength ultimately, however, is the power of the Holy Spirit in us, not our own intrinsic power. Most of you guys, if I say, do you want to live a self-controlled life, raise your hand if you want to live a self-controlled life. Now, how many of you guys, when you try and do it on your own, in your own power, in your own self-will, right, how many of us can do it well? Only you would raise your hand to that. <laughs> but the writer says, we absolutely cannot control the flesh in our own power. Not now and not ever. Don't fall into the trap. The only one who can control the fallen anti-God energy of the flesh is the Ruach. Our part is to walk by the Spirit. He goes on to say what is referred to as self-control is actually and only the result of letting the spirit take control. So that one is walking with him, walking by the spirit and keeping in step with the spirit. So Rabbi Carroll here listed seven practical ways that we can walk in step with the spirit as we try to exercise control in our thoughts, our emotions, our actions and all of our spiritual life. And the first thing that she put down here was to care for your heart. In Mishlei chapter 4, it says, Above all else, all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything that you do. Another translation, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. So one step that we can take to live a controlled life is to guard your heart. The enemy would always try to sow seeds into your heart that is going to lead you down a path of destruction, whether it be seeds of anger, hatred, division, which is so prominent right now in everything that we're seeing, bitterness. But we're told that we have to be alert to what the enemy tries to do. Kefa Olive, stay sober, stay alert. Your enemy, the adversary, stalks about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The Ruach is telling us the strategy of hell. We just reviewed it in the past four weeks of my series. And we need to listen. The Hebrew word, Natsar, is a command calling for a continual watching and can even refer to a watchman on security duty. And it includes two things, this watching. 
One, that you keep noxious pollutants out, but also that you keep anything good from being stolen. And that's how we have to keep watch over our heart. You know that song that most of us knew as a child? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. I won't sing it. Rabbi Michael is the one to actually jump into song up here. But it's relevant. We have to be careful what we allow to get into our hearts. And we have to be careful to guard the truth and the word of God and keep that in our hearts. Rabbi Carroll listed it like this. Don't take garbage in. But at the same time, actively sow into your heart the seeds of righteousness and don't allow the word of God to be stolen. You control what goes in and you control what you have that should stay in. Guard your heart. The number one way to gain control over your life. The second thing that she writes here is to obey God's word. This is simple and difficult. Self-control is, is achievable simply by obeying the word of God. Basic principle, the rabbis say it all the time, but not easy to do. Yehoshua 1, 8, it says, Yes, keep this book of Torah on your lips and meditate on it day and night so that you will take care to act accordingly to everything written in it. Then your undertakings will prosper and you will succeed. It has to go beyond knowing the word of God. We're good at knowing. We know what the word says. We know what we should do. We know what we ought to do. We know how we ought to think. But we have to actually live that life out. Author Lisa Turkeris wrote that God wants us to be ready and willing to obey him with our whole heart, not half of our heart. Sometimes we're good with half. We got this half down, but not necessarily that half. She goes on to say, obedience becomes radical when we say, yes, God, whatever you want, and we really mean it. It is a key to self-control obedience. And sometimes we fall into the trap of just justifying our lack of following the principles of God. Find a way to justify it for ourselves. So we have to stop picking and choosing which of God's principles are important for us to, to follow and which ones are no big deal, this is just kind of how I live my life and it's a bad habit of mine. The key here is if it's in the word of God, we need to obey it. And we can't make an excuse for why we're not. And we do that with the help of the Ruach. Number three here, she says, nourish the good. Next week, Rabbi Michael is going to be talking about our thought life, so we're not going to focus too much on that today. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 tells us to think on the good. In a world that's filled with so much that is not good, it can be overwhelming. Now, I've been living with my parents for the past couple weeks. I don't religiously watch the news, but when I do, I, I catch about 10 minutes of it. And my heart is overwhelmed. And Rabbi Carol writes, we have to be aware of what's happening in our society. For me, this is the worst I've ever seen it. 
I know for many of you guys, this is the worst that we have seen it. And it's scary at times. And she says, we have to be aware and actively promote godly values in the middle of this chaotic life. But with everything that's going on, with everything that's bad, and when you turn the news on and everything that's overwhelming, we can't neglect to nourish the good in yourself and in others. The media is not doing that. There's no nourishing of the good taking place. And it's easy to get into the habit of always seeing what is negative and feeding onto the negative. It's a scary time in our society. You know, when we were singing today, Evan was leading us in worship, the song God of Revival. There are times I walk away from the TV, I go into the bedroom, I'm overwhelmed, and I, I let fear grip me. I'm nervous about my kids going back to school. I'm nervous about what I say at work. But what we should have is a heart that says, the darkest night, God, you light that up. Let hope arise because death is overcome. He already won. He's the God of revival. So you turn the TV on and everything is falling apart. Every part of our society is falling apart. It is scary. It is concerning. And it's affecting our lives. But that's all the negative. We have to take the time to nourish the good, to say God is in control. He is the God of revival. He is the one that we can let hope arise because death is overcome. He told us himself, all of these things are going to happen, the hurricanes, the wars, but do not fear, I have overcome. Don't allow the negativity to be the only thing that we feed. Control yourselves to say, I am going to focus on the good. The good and the truth of who God is, what his word says in my life and in the life of others. So when you're in conversation, when you're watching the news, when you're at home and you're bombarded with everything that's negative, choose the positive. Surround yourself with people who are following hard after God and pursuing the righteousness. Number four, you have to tell yourself the truth and be honest to yourself. The scriptures talk a lot about self-deception. The prophet Isaiah speaks of this when a man takes a tree out, cuts it in half. With one half of the wood, he cooks his dinner. and the other half of the wood, he worships as a god. Listen, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 18. It says, they have no clue what they're doing and don't comprehend how absurd it is. For they shut their eyes so they cannot see. They close their hearts so they cannot understand. They have no knowledge, no understanding, and no discernment to say, half of the wood I burned in the fire. I roasted meat and cooked my dinner. Now should I take the rest of the wood and make it into an abomination? Should I now bow down and worship a block of wood? And yet that's what they did. Self-deception does that. Takes what's completely obvious to everybody else, but not obvious to you. And so one piece of wood is dinner and God, and they don't see it. Self-deception will prevent you from living a controlled life. In general, we're really quick to see where other people are wrong and where they make mistakes. Most of us 
can point it out in our husbands, our coworkers, our family members, all the things that they don't do right. But many times we don't see those same things in ourselves. I hope my mom is okay with using her again as an example. She's here in service this time. I apologize for referring to anybody as elderly last week. When I referred to my mom as elderly, that was my uh, foot and mouth. But you do know that I do live with my mom currently as we're waiting for our house. My mom and dad have been married, is it 41 years, mom? 41 years now. And they have a strong relationship and their way of communicating is what I like to call bickering, my mom and dad. And for the most part, for the fa past five weeks, my mom's here in person, I have to make sure I get it right. For the most part, for the past five weeks, I've been really good at, at being quiet. But every once in a while, whenever mom and dad are chit-chatting, I'll turn around and say, Mom, why do you have to say it that way? Sounds so mean, your tone of voice is so harsh. And the truth is, it's not my place. It is never my place as a child to correct my mom at all. Most times I'm self-controlled with that. Other times, not so much. But the point of the story is, we live with my mom. So 10 or 15 minutes later, Evan will walk in the door and I'm saying something, Ev, why didn't you? Da, da, da. And my mom will shoot me a look and I spoke to him in the exact same way that she spoke to my dad and think nothing of it. And if she ever calls me out on it, I always have a reason. Even if I talk that way to my kids, I'm flustered. She's like, Rena, I said, I'm just flustered, I'm stressed, and I've said this a hundred times because I am justified in what I do and it's no big deal. But when my mom does it, it's a big deal. Even when I shut my mouth on the inside, I'm like, she's gotta get this down. And the truth is, we do that. I'll always use myself as an example because I won't throw you under the bus, but you do it too. You go to your coworker and you go to other people in your life and you say, I don't understand why they talk this way. I don't understand why they do this this way. I don't understand how many times that they have to be told this and they never get it right. And most times there's something in our life that we're completely oblivious to. Or we know, but it's not that big of a deal. It's just who we are, it's just how we talk, it's just how we live. And it's great that we can laugh about it I try to be funny, Evan's the funny one in the family, but I've been with him for 10 years, so I'm getting my humor down. But the truth is, self-deception will keep you from being free. In Yochanan 8.31, Yeshua tells us that we need to know the truth and the truth will set us free. And yes, he's talking about the truth of his word, but the principle is about facing the truth in our lives. We can't just always point the finger and not take time to really look at ourselves. And when we look at ourselves, we can't just justify the things that we think are no big deal. Matthew 7, 5 says, take the log out of your own eye, then you will clearly see so that you can remove the splinter from your brother's eye. It's not my place to look at my mom and then justify myself. We have to be honest with ourselves. 1 Corinthians 3.18, it says, don't fool yourself. I'm fooling myself to make it okay if I do something while vehemently making it a big deal when somebody else does it. Deceiving myself that I'm okay and I don't need correction, but other people do. 
as we are in the month of Elul, and then the 10 days of our all coming for a time of self-examination, be willing to be honest with yourself. If somebody is telling you something in your life and it's repeated over and over, take the time to do self-reflection and say, maybe I need to focus on this area. Don't just write it off as your personality. Some of our personalities need to be tweaked to line up to the word of God. Number five, respect yourselves and others. This is the truth of God. You are a beautiful creation of Adonai. And the people in your lives are his divine creation as well. Everyone in your life is a divine creation of Adonai. And you need to care about yourself and you need to care about one another. If we care truly for ourselves and others, and we choose to do things that build up ourselves and to build others up. You know, so many times when we lack self-control, we tend to lose it in our emotions, in our thoughts. And that not only impacts your life, but it impacts the life of people around you. So when we're not operating in self-control, and we're allowing our flesh to take control, it hurts the people around us. It impacts those. My mom would be the one to give you firsthand testimony of the times that I lose control with my kids. Now I'm yelling or screaming and out of patience. And it affects the kids. Even if I apologize afterwards, you could see it on their face. When you lose self-control, how it impacts other people. But the truth is, people are worthy of respect. And you yourself are worthy of respect. Your child, your spouse, your parents, your neighbors, your coworker, they need to see that we're walking in line with the Ruach. Tehillim 139.14 says, I will give thanks to you because I have been so amazingly and miraculously made. That's how we need to treat the people in our lives. They have been amazingly and miraculously made in the image of God. When we respect the awesome creation that people are and that who you are, you will walk in line with the Spirit. And it's important for us to see ourselves that way. The enemy would love nothing more than just to downplay how awesome you are and the creation that you are in God. We need to see ourselves the way Messiah sees ourselves. He works overtime, the enemy, to cast doubt, to make you think less of yourself. And when you think less of yourself, your choices line up with that thought process. But the truth is, you're a child of the Most High. And it's okay to treat yourself as one. That is who you are. And that is who the people around you are. Romans 12.10, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor for one another. It is the second greatest commandment to love your neighbor. So be careful how you speak to people, how you treat them. Watch your tone of voice. Watch your facial gestures and your eyes. Speak in love. Yes, truth, but in love, not in anger. 
Seek to build people up, not tear them down. You never have a way to justify a lack of respect. As believers, there's no way that we can justify a lack of respect. But if I run my life by the Ruach, I'm gonna respect myself, I'm gonna respect you, and I will be able to maintain self-control even when I'm frustrated or impatient, even in the midst of really difficult situations and circumstances or debates and highly volatile conversations. We can maintain self-control. Number six, orientate yourself towards the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter six, verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Rav Shaul tells us the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Ruach. And we have to put the kingdom of God first. It's so hard to do because everything is busy, especially in New York. I, I was talking to Evan. There was a couple times when I used to travel when I was working with the youth. They had different conferences, and we would go down south to Georgia. And I remember just flying in on the plane. It was as if the minute you hit New York over the plane, you can feel the, you can feel the busyness. You can feel the difference. We live a very go, go, go busy life. You will always have something to do. And it's always going to be pressing and it's always important. But the kingdom of God has to come first. And when we start to live a disciplined life where we can put him first, all of those other things always get done. It's just like tithing. I don't know how God works it out that when you take from the little that you have and give it away that you get more, but he does. And it's the same thing with your time. If you're willing to give him your time, everything that you need to do somehow gets done and somehow gets done usually without all the chaos around it. His kingdom comes first. Tehillim 37.4 tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you make God the utmost delight and the pleasure of your life, he will provide for you what you desire the most. His kingdom comes first. And the last thing today, number seven, is to listen to the Ruach and to godly counsel. If I want to control myself, I need to first listen to the Ruach, but also to the godly counselors that he's placed in my life. If you neglect that, the ruach and how he's guiding you and the counsel that in your, that's in your life, you can walk yourself into trouble. Rabbi Carol shares here in this message, she said that over the years she had several people come to her and specifically say, Rabbi Carol, I didn't call you about a situation because I knew what you would say. Meaning I knew you would guide me in the biblical principles. And they even went on to tell her, I actually called a friend instead because I knew the friend would agree with me. And the truth is, that's foolish. And it will lead you into a path of destruction. Mishlei, chapter 19, verse 20, it says, Listen well to the wise counsel and be willing to learn from correction so that by the end of your life, you'll be known for your wisdom. 
In Proverbs 12:15, a fool is in love with his own opinion, but wisdom means being teachable. Because I'm not the rabbi, I could put a plug in for them. It is worth your benefit to be open and teachable and to allow them to speak into your life. God has placed them in a position to give godly counsel from the pulpit, but personally into your life as well. And so when you're in a situation or you have a question or you're torn or the enemy has come to tempt you or to distract you or to put a snare in your life, don't turn to a friend who has worldly advice to you. Seek out counsel from your leadership because they will always guide you in the ways of God and in the word of God. And that will keep your path secure. In the book of Acts, we see how the Ruach always spoke and was always guiding the first believers. The Ruach led Philip to the road in Gaza. He instructed the Kehilah to commission Raf Shaul and Barnabas for the work of the ministry. He prevented Raf Shaul from preaching in Asia. He was always there saying, go here, don't go here, stop. Listen, this path, this road. And it's the same for you and me. If we stop and slow down enough, and pray and say, what do you have? What counsel? Do I take this job? Do I not take this job? Do I move here? Do I not move here? Should I confront this? Should I stay silent? Should I speak up? The Ruach is always there to say, yes, no, hold on, wait. You need to apologize. You need to look at yourself first. He's there to guide you if you're willing to listen. The whole premise of a self-controlled life goes back to our opening verse. Yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and to the power of the Ruach. And that was Galatians 5.16. The Holy Spirit speaks through scriptures, through godly people, through his gifts, and yes, even sometimes through circumstances. If you walk in step with him, you can do step one of living a self-controlled life. And that's our goal for this series, that at the end, you yourself would be rebooted. Because the truth is, like a computer, some of us are a little sluggish, a little slow. Some of us are broken. Some of us have that feeling of frustration in life, that things just aren't going the way that they need to. But if we reboot ourselves, starting with self-control. There's a new level of discipline that we can walk in. And we can go to God telling him that we need change, that we are desperate for change, and that we are ready for the promises in our life. I know that 2020 is a year that most of us are waiting to be over. But the truth is, God is still moving. The truth is, God is still alive. And the truth is, he still wants to do something in your heart and in your life in this season. And the truth is, there is still hope. And the truth is, he wants to use you in the midst of this year. This is not a time for us to pack up and wait for it to be over. And this isn't a time for us to give up or, or to give in to hopelessness. This is a time that we can go before God and say, use me. Change me so that when the world is dying, I can bring life through you and start by living a self-controlled life. You stand to your feet, I will bless you and pray. Amen. God, I thank you for this message. 
I pray that you would encourage our rabbis' hearts as I know that they had wanted to be here on some form today and it has been difficult for them to be quarantined. I pray, Lord, that you would just bring them peace. I thank you, Lord, that this week would be a week that we are all together, beginning with our Wednesday night services. And I just pray, Lord, that even though they weren't able to convey this message with their, their lips, God, the truth is it's your word that's going forth. And I pray that they would be encouraged when people hear and obey and walk out the truth of self-control. I pray that you would help us follow and walk in line with the Ruach and that we would follow your ways. We thank you that you're always working in our life and that you're always with us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. And may he give you peace. I bless you in Yeshua's name. Shabbat Shalom. We'll see you Wednesday.